Sorry for being late. I appreciate you uh, meeting me here on such short notice. I just figured it was time to share my story, and uh, I'm ready to talk about everything. Well, thank you for sharing your story with us. Uh, do you mind if I record it? Yeah, that's, that's totally fine. Sure, yeah. Can you begin by telling us a little bit about who you are? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Jonah. Um, most people know me as the guy who was swallowed by a large fish. Although I wish more people would remember me as the prophet of God, who actually heard from him and shared with his people what it is that he wanted to say. Uh, really, before the whole fish thing, I was a pretty popular guy in Israel. I was the guy who told God's people that they were about to regain much of the land that they once owned. I guess you could say I was a hero. People loved me. So this fish story, what's that about? Uh, the fish story. Everyone wants to know about the fish story. Well, I wish that God's message had stopped with telling people that good was going to come. Pats on the back, free camel rides, whenever I wanted them. People know your name, that kind of thing. But the fact of the matter is, that's not the way it worked out. You see, God had wanted me to go to our enemies, the Assyrians, to deliver a message to them, to tell them to repent and turn from their wickedness. You don't seem too weirded out by that, do Do you know the Assyrians? you know who they are? No. Who are they? Well, these are the people who could inspire early history horror flicks. They, they ran savage military campaigns in order to expand their power. They basically built a reputation for being insanely cruel. By the time God had called me to speak to them, they were in a pretty weakened state. But still, no intelligent, self-respecting prophet of God would ever, 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 ever want to go to them. I mean, not only did they worship gods other than the one true God, but they defined the word brutal. If they ever raided your town, you would pray to your God that they would kill you because they torture their captives in the most horrific ways imaginable. They would cut off your, your nose or your ears or, or your fingers. And if that didn't suit them that particular day, they would gouge at your eyes or rip off your lips. And once they were done torturing you, they would, they would skin you alive and they would take your skin and hang it all over the city walls. Imagine walking into a city and seeing human flesh as wallpaper. To warn others, they would line the roadways with skulls. Not only do they brutalize and torture others, they're proud of it. This was their reputation. This was it. This is who the Assyrians were. They were a Terrifying, terrifying people. Wow. So you really didn't want to go to them? No, no way. I was insulted that there could even be a message of repentance sent from our God to these barbarians. <laughs> How do you repent from such despicable behavior? How was there forgiveness for that? Besides, I could already see my head on a stake with a nice note underneath saying, Pretty boy prophet, told us to repent of our wickedness. 
No. This head needed to stay where it was. So what did you decide to do? Well, I did what anyone else would have done in that situation. I went to the port. I found a ship bound for Tarshish, which is about, I don't know, 2,000 miles the other direction. Paid a ridiculous amount of money to get on board. You ran? Yeah. Yeah, I ran. Of course I ran. I mean, I, I, I just, I couldn't... You know, I wouldn't... I wouldn't betray my people with a message of hope and repentance with a people that didn't deserve it. No. I ran as fast and as far away from that as possible. Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones. I'm one of the pastors on staff. No, I'm not the bald guy, but I'll keep my hair short to so keep you guessing. Well, do you remember a time that you ever ran? Um, maybe you got mad at one of your parents or something and you thought to yourself, well, I'll just show them. You know, I'll show them by running away. By a raise of hands, how many of you did that? Yeah, there's a lot of you. Yep, there are. So one time I got mad at my parents and I don't remember why I got mad at my parents. But I just thought to myself, well, I'll just show them. I'll just run away. And so I just started down the street and I just started thinking to myself, you know what? Um, here's all the reasons that I'm right and here's why they're wrong and everything. And as I was going down the street, do you know what came next into my mind? How I was going to eat or how I was going to sleep? Yeah, you know, we all had those thoughts. We all thought, you know what, maybe we'll stop by our friend's house, get some P&J or something like that, you know, and we'll survive on peanut butter and jelly the whole time. And then all of us runners, we know this. Um, the next thoughts that came into our mind was, how are we going to go to the bathroom, you know? Because we already needed to go to the bathroom at that point um, as we were trying to run away. And do you know how far we actually made it before we decided to turn back? Only to the end of the street. Yep, that's it, you know? Well, today we are going to check out a man who made it further than the end of the street because all of us eventually made it past the end of our streets. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to check out the life of Jonah because his story is a lot like our stories. And it's a story about a man who didn't run away from his parents, but ran away from God. You know, at some point, we all have run away from God. And so some of us, we've tried to outrun God, but we found out that we could not outrun God. And then there's some of us who are trying to run from God right now and have him in our rearview mirrors, um, and he's almost out of sight. And then some of us know people who are trying to run from God, uh, and we think that there's no hope for them. Now, when we think about God and we think about runners, there's some questions that just naturally come to our minds. Questions like, what will God do to runners? You know, will he just let them go? Will he just let them off the hook, so to speak? Or uh, can we really outrun God? Or will God pay us back? And here's how some of us have run, okay? For some of us, we grew up going to church or growing up in a family that believed in God. And then at some point in high school or in college, uh, we just thought, you know, we want to do our own thing. And so at that point, we didn't leave God for some specific reason. We just wanted to do our own thing, and we just left God behind. And so many years go on, and all of a sudden, we're just doing our own thing. And then we get to a place that we never imagined, you know? We meet a person and kind of, you know, connect with them, and we never thought we would ever connect with that type of person. Or maybe some of us, you know, eventually ended up getting divorced, and we thought we would never end up getting divorced, or for some of us, we uh, you know, thought we got to a place where we were um, just trying to leave God behind 
and we got to a place where we lost our finances, lost our jobs, and you know, maybe even got to the point where we lost our children. And we just never imagined that we would get to those places. And so some of us are back in church because we're just wondering why, okay? Why did this happen to us? And then there's some of us who didn't leave God behind in our rearview mirrors at all. Uh, for some of us, our running is a little bit more specific. We hold on to a specific area in our life, and we don't let God go there. And so for some of us, for example, some of us thought he or she is cute. And we said to God, you know what, God? There's a whole lot more of a chance of this person becoming a Christian than there is somebody becoming cute, Okay. <laughs> So we're going to do our thing. So God, you just stay out of this thing and we'll just get married to that person. Or for some of us, you know, we got to the point where we just said, you know what, God, um, I don't think you're going to provide. And so I'm going to take this job or I'm going to move in with this person. And that's the way that um, I'm going to see you provide is by doing my own deal. Or for some of us, you know, we got to the point where we just thought, you know what, my relationship with God I'm just going to kind of turn it on when I want to and turn it off when it's not good for me. And so we just go along in life and all of a sudden we bump up against something and we say, you know what, I'm going to kind of get God out of the backpack or kind of rub the bottle, so to speak, and God, you need to help me out at this point. And then we get upset with him when he doesn't help us out or we think that he's trying to pay us back. So no matter what our experience has been, we've all tried to run from God. And here's the thing, we think that our situation is unique. We think our run is unique, but it's not. Because there's a person in front of you, there's a person beside you, there's a person behind you who've tried to outrun God as well. And there's many of us in this room who have tried to run from God and found that we couldn't. Now, in this series, we're going to see that we can't outrun God, which is a good thing and not a bad thing. And some of you may think that God is trying to pay you back, but he's not. So let's check out what he's really trying to do. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to check out this story because for thousands and thousands of years, there's been many different runners. And we have a man named Jonah who tried to run from God and wrote down his encounter with God. And so if you would, turn to the book of Jonah. It's really hard to find, but uh, turn to the book of Jonah. If you have your phones or if you have a Bible in the back, you can use that. Or if you have a Bible, turn to the chapter of Jonah chapter one. So I'll give you a moment to do that. Now, we're going to cover a lot of ground, so we're going to put these verses up on the screen for chapter one, but let's begin. Today, before I jump in, I want to highlight three stages that all runners experience. And so some of you are going to have this aha moment, and many of you, are, as we go through, you're going to find that you're in one of these stages as we go through the story. And then as we go through this passage, you're going to say to yourself, how does he know that? And the reason we know that is because God isn't surprised when we run. And he knows our stories. And he knows and wants us to understand that he knows us. And he wants us to understand that he cares about runners. And so my goal for us today um, is for you to let down your defenses and see what God is trying to do in your story because he's written this down for you. So let's begin in Jonah chapter one, verse one. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. 
Now, this is an incredible insight about God, okay? And Jonas tells us a lot more in the last part of the book, but here Jonah points out something that we often forget, okay? Here's God who's looking down upon the city of Nineveh and all of its wickedness, and he does nothing, nothing. He just lets it, he kind of just puts up with it and puts up with it and puts up with it and puts up with it. And before he does anything, before he does anything, he decides to give them one last chance before he turns off the lights. And in his grace and mercy, he even sends them this prophet. He sends them a prophet to warn them as a nation, hey, you better get your act together or I'm going to have to judge you because everyone knows your reputation. Everyone knows how violent you are. Everyone knows what you are doing is wrong. And so he is patient and he put up and put up with them. Now, verse three, but Jonah got up and went to, in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now, let me tell you where Tarshish is. If you look at the screens on a map, Tarshish is represented by that T and J for Joppa. And from Joppa to Tarshish, it's like 2,000 miles. And so he's going to go to Tarshish, which is the southern part of uh, Spain, probably. And it's about 2,500 miles from Nineveh. So this is like a big, no way, Jose, I'm not going, okay? I'm not going to listen to you, God. And so here's the first stage that I want to bring to our attention. Sometimes when we run, we run to the strangest places. So here's Jonah, a prophet of God, okay? He's not a sailor, and he buys a ticket to one of the furthest parts of the known world at that time. Okay, not a good idea, especially if you can't swim, okay? And let me give you a hint. If you're running from God, you know, just stay on land, okay? Don't get in a car, don't get on a plane, especially don't get on a boat, and then don't hold anything that conducts electricity, okay? Not a good idea, that's free advice, okay? But anyways, isn't that the truth? You know, we run to the dumbest and strangest places when we run from God. And we may not get on a boat, but our mamas, our mamas let us know how dumb our decisions are, right? You know, your mama might say this, you know, you're dating who? You know, you're marrying who? You know, you're moving where? You know, you're quitting your job to do what? You know, you know, what are you doing? And so when we run from God, we run to the strangest places. And the reason we run to the strangest places is because we can't see it in the moment. And yet we find out that our mamas were right. And here's what we do. When we make a decision to run from God, we begin to make bad decisions. And when we make those bad decisions, we don't see the results of those like in a day or a week or a year or maybe even a few years. What happens is all of a sudden we are running from God and we get to a place where we all of a sudden say our lives are not what we want them to become. And so many of us experience financial difficulties. Many of us experience marital problems. Many of us experience problems with our kids. And then all of a sudden we go back to church and we say, why? Why is this happening to us? What is going on? And that's a good thing. Because God wants you to know this, all right? See, we're a church for people who don't do church. And God isn't there to like rub your mistakes in your face, okay? He wants you to know that he is the source of all truth and all wisdom who can help you right now. 
And so this is a safe place to undig because most of the things that we've done, we've done on our own. And it's going to take a while to kind of dig out, but this is a place where you can dig out. This is a place where you can connect with God. This is a place where you can see your life to stop unraveling because this is a safe place. This isn't a strange place. And that's what God wants runners to know. So let's continue to see what else he wants us to know as well. So let's continue and examine kind of the second stage that we see in all runners' lives. Verse four, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods to help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So do you know it takes a lot to scare a sailor? Like these guys would have seen tons of storms. And for them to throw over the cargo of the boat, you know, this must have been some kind of storm. For you see, if they threw over the cargo, they knew when they, if they had got to port, they would have lost their jobs. But at the same time, they know that they would have saved their lives. And all these guys did was to sell a guy a ticket who was running from God. And that brings us to the second stage of what all runners experience. The second stage is runners will always hurt the people who are closest to them. So if you live with or date someone or married to someone who's running, unfortunately, your life will be hurt. Dads, if you are running from God, then your children and your wife will unfortunately feel the effects of your running. Now, teenagers, singles, there's a reason your mama and dada said don't go out with that guy or don't hook up with that person who's running from God. Because all of us know this truth. All of us know this truth that when people are running from God, eventually the people around them will get hurt. And we see this every day. We see a whole generation of children who mom and dad quit on them. We see it in our schools. We see an increase in violence in our schools. We see an increase in violence in our communities. And we know this to be true. And the reason it's true is because when you're around a runner, your life is going to be impacted. You will get hurt. It's a principle. It's a fact. And that's what God wants us to know. And that's what happens when we run. Now, if you're thinking, okay, that's true, you know, runners will always hurt the people uh, who are close to them. Some of you kind of caught, well, wait a second, though. Who caused that storm? Well, it was God. Hmm, really? God caused that storm, huh? Well, let's see what uh, happens as it becomes a little more clear who's behind the storm. So in verse six, so the captain went down after Jonah. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crews cast lots, which is kind of like a ritual to find out God's will, to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. And when they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but I'm thinking at the time, Jonah is saying, uh, uh-oh, you know, uh, I think I know the reason why we're going through this storm. And sure enough, as they cast the lots, you know, uh, he found out and knew what it was. And so, but here's the great news, okay? When we run from God, God isn't saying like, hey, oops, you know, there goes another runner. Let's get another one, you know? 
God does not give up on runners. He fights for us. Who's the one who caused the storm? God. You know, who's the one who allowed the lot to fall on Jonah? God. Who almost allowed the ship to break apart? God. Because God is trying to echo something that he's been echoing throughout history for us. And here's what he's been trying to echo. In his grace and in his love, he's not trying to pay us back. He's trying to bring us back. He's not trying to pay you back. He's trying to bring you back. And we don't understand how much he loves us and how important he thinks that we are. Now, we might come up against a little bit of bumps and bruises as we make some of the choices in our lives, as we experience some of those consequences. But you know what? God will allow that to happen if it will bring you back. And so that's what God is focused on. And sometimes we don't understand. And sometimes we think that God is dealing with us too much. But, you know, we all know this. When you practice a little tough love, it's a little rough. But it saves somebody's lives. And that's what God's trying to do. He's trying to bring us back, not to pay us back. And so let's watch this. The sailors are kind of smarter than Jonah. Listen to their wisdom in this. Verse eight, he said, the sailors said, why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded, who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord. And this is kind of funny. The God of heaven who made the sea and the land which I should have stayed on, okay, you know? And the sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running from the Lord. Now, this is kind of funny. Watch what the guys believe about God here and Jonah's God. Why did you do that? They groaned, you know? Like, you should have realized that. We all know that. Don't run from God, you know? And then at that time, they said, what should we do to you to stop this storm? I love how it said in the NIV translation, watch this. What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? You know, they were so focused on themselves at this point. And what Jonah realized, I hope that we all understand, is kind of this third stage of all runners. At some point, we need to realize that it is pointless. It is futile. It is futile to run. Yeah, we can run from God, but we can't outrun him. We can run from God, but in his grace, mercy, and love, we can't outrun him. And sometimes he will allow us to come up against the consequences of our decisions, or he may cause conditions to be greater in order to win us back, in order to bring us back and not to pay us back. So at some point, we need to recognize that we can't outrun God in that final stage. Now listen to this in verse 12. Jonah's kind of getting this, and he says to the sailors, but he kind of gets it inappropriately, or at least in the wrong way, with the right, or kind of what they need to do to, you know, get everything right. So he says, throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. So pretty much, hey, you know what? I learned that I can't outrun God, so just throw me in because I want you guys to survive. And so verse 13, instead the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land. They didn't want to be responsible for this guy's death. You know, would you? <laughs> you know, But the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. And this, you know, they kind of became believers in this moment and even wiser to Jonah. Oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin. And don't hold us responsible for his death. 
O Lord, you have sent this storm upon him and your own good reasons. Man, these are, this is coming from the sailors. Then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. You know, at this point, Jonah learned a lesson that we should all learn. At this point, do you know what that lesson is? In the next verse, we're going to see this, but this is what he learned. When you run from God, okay, God doesn't chase you. He waits patiently for you to make up your own mind, to come to that own point and make your own decision. You know, because God knew that this whole thing was going to happen. He wasn't back in Judea and saying, now where's Jonah, you know? Like I went over here and uh, on a little coffee break and I came back and, whoa, where's Jonah, you know? You know, he didn't put up his hands in the air and all of a sudden say, you know, what am I gonna do now, you know? Because all of a sudden what we don't know is God's working behind the scenes. And all of a sudden, there's this big old fish that went to a spot in the Mediterranean Sea that it had never been before. And it kind of looked up and saw a storm coming. And it said, you know what? I'm going to take this big old gulp of air and go down and get away from this storm. And when he went up to the surface, all of a sudden, oh, and he got Jonah instead, you know? Now, some of you think that's like impossible, you know? But I kind of go with Jesus. Jesus quoted this next verse. And I kind of go with the guy who predicted his own death and resurrection. You know, I just play that card because, you know, you tried that, all right? So in verse 17, now the Lord had arranged. I love that word, arranged. For a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Do you know why God arranged this storm? Do you know why God arranged for the lot to fall on Jonah? Do you know why God sent this fish to swallow Jonah? Do you know why God allowed Jonah to be in this fish for three days and three nights? It wasn't to pay him back. It was to bring him back. Do you know why God will allow you to go against some of the consequences that we are up against when we make some of the choices that we make? Do you know why God will allow your marriage to get to the point of almost breaking? Do you know why God will allow your children to almost give up on you? Do you know why God will allow your prayers to feel like they're not being answered? It's because he's trying to bring you back and not to pay you back. We don't understand how great his love is. We don't understand that he is trying to win us back. There's nothing that we can run from. There's nothing that we can do that says to God, I don't love you. And it doesn't change his mind about you. He still loves you and he will wait patiently for you because his love never, never gives up on us. Now we're going to have kind of an epic moment because we're a church for people who don't do church. Some of you have been running. Some of you have been running for a long time and it's time to stop running. Some of you have been running from like high school or college and all of a sudden you bumped up against something in life and you're back in church now. Some of you have been holding out from God in a very specific area of life. And here's what God wants us to do. The first step is just simply admitting that we're running. That's the first step in coming back to God. And so right now, no heads bowed, 
no eyes closed, you'd be bold, okay? You admit before God. Don't admit it before anyone else. Just raise your hands. Are you running? Are you running? Thank you. Yeah, come on, be bold. Are you running? Are you generally running or specifically running from God? Just be bold. Yeah, thank you. Now, some of you, you're ex-runners, and you know that God isn't trying to pay you back, but to bring you back. And so would you encourage these people who are around you, if you have found that God isn't trying to pay you back, but to bring you back, would you raise your hand, my hand included? Yeah, look at that. Many of us in the room, many of us know that. Thank you so much. Now, here's what I want to do, okay? We're going to have a song here in a moment. And the first thing that we need to do in coming back to God is to admit that we're running. And we need to tell him, God, you know what? I'm running and I'm ready to stop running. And so what we're going to do is on this side of the aisle, we're going to pass out some buckets. And there's some shoelaces that are in your seat right now. And we want to kind of symbolize this moment for you. Some of you have been running and running for a long time. Some of you have been holding on to a certain area of your life and you've been running in that way. And so during this song, when the band plays this song, for about a minute, just talk to God and say, God, you know what? I've been running and I'm ready to turn in my running shoes to you. And then as those buckets come, they're going to start on this side and each row is going to get one and they're going to come across the rows. And if you're on the aisle, just pass it directly to the row across from you and make the buckets come all the way over here. And if you've been running, just throw in that shoelace to symbolize, you know what? I've been running and I'm turning in my running shoes today. That's the first step. You know, when I've talked to people who've run for a very long time from God, they've said this. They said, Tim, I wish I had stopped running earlier. I wish I had come to a point where I realized that I wasn't going to run anymore and I turned in my running shoes. And so would you make today that day for you? Now for all of us, we know some runners who are out there. We've got some buddies, we've got some friends. And in three weeks, Easter is coming up. And there's three cards on your seats. And I want you to take those cards and I want you to give them to some runners that you know. Because here's the deal. I want you to bribe them. I want you to do everything short of sin, okay? To get them to come here on Easter, all right? You can quote me on that. Uh, but anyways, I want you to invite some runners because you know that this is a place where God's not trying to pay you back, but to bring you back. And there's some runners who need to understand that. So would you invite your friends? Would you invite those that you know who are running from God? So let's pray, and the band's going to be coming out, and uh, as we uh, sing this song, um, take a moment, take a minute, just to pray to God and say, God, I'm turning in my running shoes, and then the buckets are going to make their way over. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the God who does not give up on runners. God, we thank you that you are doing an unbelievable work in our hearts and our lives. Thank you that your love never runs out on us. That you aren't trying to pay us back, but you're trying to bring us back. God, if there's a person here who's been running, Lord, even if they didn't admit that, would they during this song admit that? And would they say, God, I am going to stop running. I'm turning in my running shoes to you today. And Father, for the person who's been holding on to a specific area in their lives, 
God, something that they just say, you know what? You can't have my finances. You can't have uh, my relationships. You can't have my marriage. You can't have this. God, would they give that up to you? Because they've been running. And so, Father, would you just work on our hearts in this moment? And would we find that you are doing an amazing work in us and you want to do amazing work around us as well? And so, God, today, would we reach out to people that we know who are running? Because we found a place where you're not trying to beat us over the head with something. Father, you are here to help us get out of the stuff that we've created. And so, Father, we love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. You may be seated. Thank you, everyone. My name is Chris, and welcome to Epic, everybody. I've got a few announcements for you today. But before I get started, I just wanted you to know, and this is really for the parents here in the audience, that after the announcements, there'll be a video that comes up on the screen. There'll be somebody or a group of people talking about, it's kind of a graphic depiction of some biblical events that took place. So if that's something that you don't want your kids to hear, feel free at this point to get your kids up. Go ahead and get them signed in Epic Kids for the rest of the, uh, or the remainder of the service. Thank you. Now that everybody's here, uh, does everybody see this half sheet of paper that's on your seat when you came in? If you've got it, go ahead and hold it up for me. Let me know it got there. All right, fantastic. You know, each week we have a bunch of announcements that we want to pass on to you, and sometimes it's hard to remember the dates or the times or the location. So our staff here at Epic has came up with these uh, announcement sheets. You can take these home, put them on the refrigerator, leave them in your car, throw them in your purse. It's just a great little reminder of some of the things that you may want to be involved in here at Epic. So let me highlight a couple things that are on here. First, you'll see that we have our Easter services and our next baptism on April the 20th. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, but you haven't been baptized yet, I encourage you to go online and get signed up for that baptism. Now, this Saturday, April the 5th, we have our 3G event. Our 3G event is where we go out and we serve our community and we bring hope through six different projects on this particular day. Those projects, there are serving opportunities for everyone from first grade all the way on up. And those projects are going to be, we're going to do a Habitat for Humanity build. And if you're kind of tool challenged, you're not really uh, you know, good with a saw or a hammer or anything like that, you can go to the Habitat build and you can be one of the people that provide lunch and serve lunch to all of our builders out there. We'll also be going over to Grace Community Food Pantry. We'll be doing a beach cleanup. We'll be painting a home. And then we're also going to send a group of people out to the Windsor Assisted Living Facility. We're going to love on some people out there. So today is the last day to sign up, and we still need about 40 volunteers to make these projects successful. So if that's something you want to do, please, on either side of the tech table, we've got our sign-up tables. Go get signed up. Go get involved. Now, if you've already signed up, you're about to get signed up, be on the lookout this week for an email that's going to come out. It's going to highlight all the details on where to meet and when to meet and things like that. On April 13th, we're going to have our starting point intro meeting after each of the services. Now, starting point is our 10-week conversational environment where people can explore the story of God and uh, begin to experience community. So if you're checking out this whole God thing, or if you're a new Christ follower, or you've been coming to Epic for a while, this might be a good thing for you to do. Go ahead and get signed up, and just uh, let us know that you'll be coming to one of these meetings that we'll be expecting you as you're, you're going to be coming to our starting point event. Now, men, this is specifically for you. If you go to the back side of your announcement sheet, there's an event that's coming up in Jacksonville on May 16th and 17th called Promise Keepers. Now, Promise Keepers is an awesome event for guys, and I encourage you to go. I'm going. I know a bunch of guys from my men's group are going. This is an opportunity where we can go and we can listen to people speak and we can learn how to be the fathers 
the husbands, just the men that God desires us to be. So look at the information on the sheet. It'll tell you how to get signed up or come see me after service if you want to just personally talk about it. You have some questions about what that event might hold. It's a two-day event, so we've got a hotel room up in Jacksonville. It's going to be really cool, so I encourage you to come with us. Uh, if you are been coming to Epic for a while and you call Epic your home, there's two ways that you can go ahead and give. You can go online at theepicchurch.com or at the end of the seating sections, there's giving boxes on the tables. So we're so glad that you're here. If you are new with us, we've got a connection center that's set up in the back over there. If you want to stop by, pick up some information about Epic or just speak to somebody in person about Epic, we'd love for you to go over and do that. Now, we'd like for you to kind of just sit back and enjoy the rest of the service. Thank you.